What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Rivalry. We've got episode 58. The final four is set. MLB opening day is tomorrow. Let's go. All right, Mike. So, final four is set. Um, Got to say that I did not see UCLA sitting at the uh, final four, but um, pretty decent games. What were your thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, I think Gonzaga and Baylor, which I think a lot of people already knew that they were kind of the class um, with, I mean, a lot of hopeful people thinking Illinois was part of that class, but uh, I think they kind of separated themselves and look like they're on a mission a little bit here. Gonzaga especially, I mean, like not getting to see them play a bunch this year, they looked really good against a USC team that has looked good this tournament. So it wasn't like – you know, it wasn't like they were rolling over a scrub or anything. And then at the bottom of the bracket, man, Houston, like, I'm not saying Houston's not good, okay? I don't want to take anything from them. They're in the Final Four, and, like, you got to play good to get to the Final Four no matter who you play. But, like, the, the stat I saw were they haven't played – they played all double-digit seeds to get to the Final Four, first time ever. They didn't play a Ken Palm top 15 team all year long. So, um, you know, you question, you know, when they see a team, the caliber of Baylor, like they haven't seen that all year, not even close to that. And I just wonder, you know, if they can keep that a game, uh, their defense is very good. So maybe, but Baylor's guards are just so good. And then the other side, UCLA, like, I think what you sent the text today, that was what 2,800 brackets had UCLA in the final four. And yeah. they all have to be UCLA fans, right? Like family of the players. Like that's the only think, thing I can think of. Yeah, you got to think. I mean, it was like .002 or something out of like fourteen point seven million brackets. There was twenty eight hundred that had you or had the final four correct. So I just remember when we were filling out our brackets, and I'm like, ooh, I you know I feel okay with this, but I also feel like I'm just shooting in the dark, like. If you're putting UCLA in your final four, you can't be like, man, this is the winner right here. Right here, like, baby, I, got know, it. Nobody – I'm the only one who sees it. Yeah, dude, it's just <laughs> like that, – that to me is so shocking that people can actually like put U, UCLA in that um, spot. But well, that's the thing. Not only did they have UCLA, they had Houston – like Houston's a two-seed. I get that, so it's not like a long stretch. But, I, I mean, of all the ones and two-seeds, I don't think that they were a favorite to make a final four. No, I mean, you know, Ohio State, Iowa, and... Alabama? Alabama. I mean, I had Alabama in the Final Four. Um, yeah, but you're a, you're a homer, though. Well, I am a homer, but... No, I mean, I... It just it's, it blows my mind. Um, I think that, you know, that USC-Gonzaga game was just... I mean, that's Gonzaga. Like, they've been the best team all year. I mean, it started, what, 1-2, Baylor, or uh, Gonzaga-Baylor. Yeah, And then that's where we're sitting, you know, to date. So I think a lot of people have that. If you look at, like, our bracket, the people that are left, we have one with Baylor, one with uh, Gonzaga. So that'll basically determine the winner. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, their guards are just unreal. They don't miss shots. Like, they're just super sound. And then Michigan was absolute garbage to watch last night. Um, 49 points. Forty-nine fifty-one. Yeah, I mean that's like a high school basketball game. Um, sorry, Jake, about your over, but um, hey, my over too, and your over too. But I mean, it's just 
it's unreal. Um, it's unreal, you know, some of these games, the flows that you get and just how, how you see teams play, you know, different matchups. But I feel like moving into it, yeah, like Houston playing Baylor, I don't know, man. I think that's going to be tough for, for Houston. Baylor's look decent. I think they're they're playing better than they were. And then um, I think, you know, Gonzaga just runs runs through UCLA and wins it all. But, um, I mean, a decent tournament. Decent tournament. I, I tell you what, that Alabama game uh, on Sunday night versus UCLA, him hitting that three at the end and then him going to overtime and just getting waxed. Like, just another that game just, that cost me money. Yeah. That three-pointer well, killed just, me. It was just one of those where you just like everything fell UCLA's way in the overtime, and like Alabama got lucky anyways, even being in that um, position. But yeah, but a lot of times the team that makes that three gets that momentum swing. Like then they go to overtime with new life. Basically, you would thought they would have put out a little bit better, and they're the better team. You know, on paper, you would think that they would have put out a better showing in overtime, but. I mean, UCLA, so UCLA about, made some shots, though. So. Yeah, let's just talk about how you score, like, 26 or 28 points in an overtime. Like, that never happened. Yeah, they went off. Maybe what, it was, like, 23 or something, but something stupid. Um, that was the most points I've seen. But, uh, yeah, a lot of good games. Pretty decent tournament this year. I mean, in terms of just, you know, full play. But, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how the Final Four shakes out. Yeah, I mean, this is it's one of those things like any other year I would be loving this tournament and, you know, the upsets and all that. But it's just like it's just such a disappointment to see Illinois go down. Like, you know, they beat Loyola. They would have got Oregon State, okay, a 12 seed, and then Houston. And, like, not having to – you would have bypassed Oklahoma State or Tennessee – just I don't know. Just in Houston, I never was really that worried about it. Just seemed like the it, the road was there to be there, and it's just and like you look at a Loyola, like you were talking about, it's just so game to game. Sometimes Loyola looked like world beaters against Illinois, and then against Oregon State, they couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. Like just looked very very average, and you know a team that Illinois should would have ran over, but it's just one game to the next. And not to mention Illinois didn't play great either, but. Yeah. So, yeah, I like I like Baylor Gonzaga in the final, and then honestly, it's a toss up. Like Gonzaga looks so good, but man, those Baylor guards. There's what? There's three of them. The, the three starters, and then Flagler comes off the bench. Um, Teague, Mitchell, and and Butler. They can just. It's like they can snap their fingers and turn it up. Like that's what they did to Villanova. That Villanova game was close. I think they were even losing. It's like all of a sudden they just started turning up the full court man pressure. And all three of them can get after those guards and just started getting turnovers and then ended up pulling away. And they, they, like Suggs is really good with Gonzaga, and and Nemhard's pretty good. But I, can they handle the pressure that guards can put on them? Kispert, um, Ayai, you know Timmy. I think will have a hard time with Baylor's big guy. I'm not even gonna try to say his last name. Everyday, uh, everyday John. Yeah. So. I think that'll be. I think it'll be a good matchup, assuming that's what we get. Obviously, don't want to take anything for granted, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? It'll be it'll be a good game, and I mean, I think that the biggest thing that Gonzaga needs to do is just come out and keep hitting shots. I mean, that's that's what they've done, you know, game in and game out. And I mean, they other than their first game against what North Texas or something like that, 
they came out hot and had a big lead like within the first 10 minutes. So right. you do that, I think you control the game, and that's what they'll do. And I, I see Baylor kind of doing that to Houston. I feel like here's my thing with Houston is that I think they're a decent team. I think they're a good team, but they are so worn down. Like they've had so many close games. They've had their like top player, Gerard or Janon or wherever, whatever his name is. He's got like a hip pointer and then he's been like hobbled in games going in and out. So I just think they're kind of beat up. So I don't see them, you know, having much success with Baylor. And then UCLA is the same way, man. They've just been on the ropes. I feel like every game. Right. Find a way to win. Yeah, coming out. So they've got to be exhausted. And then, I mean, having to match up with Gonzaga, that's just going to be a pretty tough route. But I mean, UCLA, they went to overtime in the first four game with Michigan State. And now they're in the final four. Like, that's unreal. I, you know, filling out a bracket, I think I picked, um, which I don't remember who, what, oh, BYU. I picked the Michigan State UCLA. It was when, you know, you could still pick whatever, whoever came out to beat BYU. I picked that upset. But in my head, it was Michigan State. Right. And now here's UCLA in the final four. Well, I almost think that, like, and I, uh, I'm not trying to just, you know, come up with excuses or conspiracy theories here, but, I really think that the committee didn't do a very good job with the rankings this year. They didn't. They, they really did not. And obviously, I think uh, the Pac-12 obviously got slept on. They're either playing over their like potential or better than what they have all year, or people were mis, you know, misranking them or however you want to say it. Well, and I think we have to also think about, you know, with COVID, there were a lot of games that weren't out of conference. So you didn't get a lot of different looks. Sure. So I think that when I look back at it, I think that teams got used to, you know, certain leagues play. And, like, you know, it's a complete different ball game when you're playing Big Ten versus, um, you know, those out west teams. And, and I, I've said it from, you know, the beginning is that if you can press and you can get up in somebody's face, like, you're going to have success in this tournament because, unfortunately, you don't see much of that in the Big Ten. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah they're definitely different styles of play. SEC is closer to like a Pac-12 style of play. You know, right. it's, it's it's athletes, it's length, and it's you know spread it out and and uh, you're right, like little pressures or even more zones and stuff. Whereas the Big Ten's a lot more traditional. You know, like three of the best, three or four of the best bigs in the entire country are in the Big Ten. Like, it's just a different style of play. It's an X's and O's game. It's not an athlete game. Right. It's an X's and O's game. It's a, you know, you have three options, and you can take away, you know, two of them, and we're going to hit that third option. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, that that third option is hitting, and you need to get one of those first or second options, and that's where you have to speed up the game and, you know, get – a little more of, I would say, transition, you know, offense and defense. Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just it, – it, I, I think there's a little bit, too, just looking at some of the different styles of play in the conferences and not being able to have some of that exposure at the beginning of the season. And, yeah, I think that, you know, not maybe not having it last year. I don't know. It's just it's, – it's a weird tournament, and it's been, you know, weird years. And Well, again, Pac-12 is always – it's the same in football. You know, they – it's really hard to, for 
Midwest and East Coast people to even realize, you know, Pac-12. Because I'm not staying up till 10. Like, the game doesn't start till like, 10 o'clock my time a lot of times. And it's like, I'm not, I can't watch that. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm in bed. Or I'm about to be. And so, you don't hardly. Yeah, or else you'd have a lot more Gonzaga fans. That's right. You don't hardly see Pac-12 teams play. So, then you got to go off of what, uh, you know, you see on ESPN or what people are saying. And, you know, they were. They were dissed kind of all year, I think, as far as rankings go. And it's proven this tournament, maybe. And that's what I'm saying. Like maybe those, maybe the Big Ten had a really bad showing and they are better, or maybe they were just overhyped. It could be a little bit of both. But uh, Pac 12 definitely, definitely put their mark on this. And maybe going forward, like next year, it won't, you know, they'll get the benefit of the doubt more. Yeah, I still don't have much respect for the WAC conference or whatever. No, and that's what we talked about. Us, we were texting last night. I was like, I don't understand how Gonzaga gets good players. And like, I get um, our buddy was telling us, you know, he's plugged in, saying, you know, they they it's not normally one and duns or you know high star uh, recruits. Is more of it is you know transfers and overseas players that they're really good at. Like I get that, you know, most Gonzaga, most really good Gonzaga teams are juniors and seniors, and stuff that have been there and, and grown as a team and stuff like that. But like Jalen Suggs, man, like you could have went from Minnesota, Minneapolis, not even from local, like to Washington or anything. You could have went anywhere. I'm at. I mean, I don't know exactly who all offered you, but I'm guessing you could have went anywhere and been the best player or one of the best players on any team. And you chose to go to Gonzaga, and I just don't understand that. Like, I get you're about to play for a national championship probably, but, like, if Jalen Suggs goes to Michigan or goes to um, Baylor or goes to Illinois, like, I, you know, goes to Duke even or Kentucky, like, he's probably in the tournament and has a chance to make a run with those teams too, like, because he's that good. But, yeah, you go to Gonzaga, you play in that conference – that I it just it can't be fun. You may take offense to this, but I compare it to playing in the LOVC at Tuscola when I was in high school. Like, no offense, but we beat a lot of teams by a lot of points, and there was a lot of nights it wasn't that fun. Like when you're up when you're up 25, 30 points and you're just sitting in the bench the fourth quarter watching Harry play. Like right. it's fun every once in a while, but like eventually you're just like, all right, I want to play a team that's as good as us. Like I want to yeah. almost get beat or get beat even to an extent if it's a competitive game. And like, I just don't understand the competitiveness in me wouldn't want to go to that conference. There's my rant on that. No, I, I, I get you. I mean, we just, we just talked about it. I don't think that you get the notoriety. I don't think you get the fans. I don't think you get the exposure. I don't think you get, you know, just the overall kind of hype um, that you would get at a, you know, premier school, but, Maybe they they know something that we don't. So I think you said it best whenever you said that he's playing for nat, like a national championship. Yeah. So maybe he knew what he was doing. I guess. But, so all right, man. Uh, so you're taking Gonzaga to finish this, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to pick against them. Baylor's. I mean, Baylor's just so good. And I I love Baylor's guards, and I always. Which I mean, not that Gonzaga's guards aren't good, but I don't think collectively they're as good as Baylor's. So. Timmy would have to – I think Timmy will have to have a big game and and Gonzaga's guards will have to handle the pressure that Baylor can put on him. But I think that's the game everybody's wanted to see. They were supposed to play early in the regular season and didn't because of COVID. 
And so nobody, we haven't got to see that game yet. So I think that's just what people want to see right now. And hopefully Houston and UCLA don't get in the way of that. I don't, I, I really don't think there's a way. I don't happen. either. But like at this point, I do just want to see the two best teams play. Like the upsets and stuff are cool, but like get out of the way, Houston and UCLA, so we can see that good game. Right. No, I'm with you on that. So. All right, man. So tomorrow, I know you're not as big a baseball fan as me. Obviously, it's my favorite sport. I'm diehard, and tomorrow's opening day, and um, we're gonna have limited fans in the, in the stands in some places, and. Look, man, it's like second Christmas to me. I love opening day. I will leave work early tomorrow to catch the catch the beginning of the Cardinal game. Like it's 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 like a holiday to me. And the Cardinals this year have some excitement around them. Trading for Nolan Arenado, arguably the best third baseman in the league, five time All Star, pairing him with Goldschmidt. Like I'm super excited, but I'm being reserved because there's still a lot of question marks with this Cardinal team in the pitching staff and in the outfield with some young guys. And I'm just trying not to get my hopes up, but man, you have arguably the best first and third base combo in the league and three, four hitter in the league. And look, nobody's here. Nobody's here for you to just, you know, be timid. I know, man, but God, I'm scared. I'm scared about the. The, and the, the the division is there for the taking. The Cubs are kind of down. I mean, that's the thing is like everybody's talking about the Cubs down. Like they still have Javi Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, um, the, the Hendricks. The pitching's a little down for them, and the the depth is down. But I mean, they can still win the division. The Brewers, same thing with Yelich and Kane, and they got Colton Wong from the Cardinals now. Like they can win the division. It's just I I'm, I have very high hopes for the Cardinals. Don't get me wrong. I'm, and I don't know why I'm being reserved. It's not like me, I know. But it's like I can be overly excited and ridiculous when it comes to, like, the Bears and stuff because, like, I know they're not that good. But, like, the Cardinals, I think, are that good. So now I'm worried that I'm going to get disappointed. Well, Mike, I just think you got to take this whole year as a win for you. I mean, the Bears made the playoffs. Eli and I were pretty, pretty good. I know that yeah, but all know, this is ending end. in disappointment, though. That's what I'm saying. Like I know, I just. But you always say you're like you know. At least we were there. At least we you know had the fun. At least we had the excitement, and that we had the chance. A lot of times we don't have that, so I think that you know, it's it's a good. I guess it's a good year to be you know you and, and, and your fans of, of your team. Right, yes. I would rather be disappointed at how it finishes than to not even have a chance, you know, to do anything at the end. But again, you know, the Bears make the playoffs and get beat and then lose Trubisky, like heartbreaking. Illinois, it's a one seed, lose a second round. Like, heart, like these are heartbreaking to me as a fan endings to these stories so far. It's not like Hey, it was a good run. Illinois lost in the Elite Eight to a good team. Bears, like, won the first round, lost the second round. Trubisky's coming back. There's all these things to be, like, looking forward to. No, Bears get smoked. Trubisky's gone. Blow it up. We get Dalton. Illinois, you're going to get waxed by Loyola second round. Like, what's the heartbreaking thing that's going to happen to the Cardinals? That's what I'm saying. Like, I get what you're saying is, yes, they've all been successful to an extent, but they're all ending in bad ways, not just not like, all right, I, you know, I got the future to look forward to, or like, that was a pretty good thing. Like they're ending badly. 
at the moment. Right. So at that point, you just got to think about moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's what you would do. <laughs> just find the next best player and go be a fan of that team. Exactly. Um, Which surprised me you're not an Angels fan. To be- nah. I'm not a West. I'm not a West Coast fan. I get you. That's the thing about baseball, man. Is the best player in baseball, Mike Trout, like can't even get to the playoffs. Whereas, you know, just about every other sport, the best player has enough impact on games to carry a team at least to a postseason berth. Well, isn't that pitching in baseball? No, because I mean, you look at it that way. I mean, it's that's that's why baseball literally is the ultimate team sport like the ultimate like everything has to go the right way because yeah pit a great pitcher the best pitcher in the league like look at the year jacob de grom when the cy young had a one point i don't know three era like one of the greatest eras of all time and he went like nine and ten record wise because he got zero run support and they they were a terrible team like didn't make the playoffs like that's what i mean like you can be the best pitcher in the league if your team doesn't score runs for you, then you can't win. And one, and the other thing is you're only playing every fifth game. You're not even playing for 80% of the games. Well, that's what I'm saying is it's, it's the pitching rotation. It's your, right. It's your but I'm talking about one, the best player, one player. No, I get yeah, it. Can't, he just can't make a big enough impact in that sport. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Like there's, if teams with the best rotation a lot of times or teams that score a bunch of runs, their rotation cannot be as good. Like it's a whole mix of things in baseball, but yeah, I'll have to figure out who has the best pitching. Rotation oh, I thought you the- were a Cubs fan, but now they're starting, they're going down. So you're about to switch again or what? No, I got to always have a backup. <laughs> I mean, I got somebody, I got somebody on deck. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm keeping eyes on them while the Cubs are, you know, playing, figuring it out. And then I mean, the Cardinals remember your fandom from, 2011 like we'll take you back well i like to think that i just helped them get that and you know you're welcome for that and then quit on him like two or three years later yeah i was just doing that for you but um no man baseball i just i mean sports being back everything's great we're having all these seasons i feel like we've you know made the turn people are excited about it and hopefully you know it goes off without a hitch um but yeah, man, exciting. Yeah, NBA playoffs. I feel like we'll touch on that real quick. But like, I hate where the NBA is at right now. Like, I get it to an extent, but I hate it. And we've had the, you know, we've beat this into the ground as far as the competitiveness and not wanting to to join up or and wanting to beat the best. But like, what the Nets and Lakers are doing right now is just dumb. And it's just like it's a. It's a collision course for them to meet in the championship and then, like, like two all-star teams fight it out, which, granted, that might make for a really good series, but it doesn't make for a good playoffs yeah, as a whole. Yeah, for sure. I hate it. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. Like, like, if there's one person that could probably get down to just, like, having a bunch of good players on one team, like, it's me. But, like, I hate it. Yeah, like, I, I just, no parity. I hate it because, well, I hate it because I think that it's just so soft that – you should have the mentality that you want to beat the best player, not play with the best player. And like the fact that, you know, the Nets and the Lakers are so stacked, it's just like, what's the point? Like, I mean, if you're a Bucks or, you know, the Warriors, like, 
I mean, they're you know down without Clay, but it's like, dude, no, there's just no, there's just like no realistic way. I don't think that they meet, and then that just makes for like a boring, boring season. Like, you know, I mean, it's just it's pointless. Yeah, like the only team in the East I can see possibly challenging the Nets is the Bucks, and that's just because Giannis is so good. But he, Giannis has to be amazing in that series to challenge them and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are all, those are all-star players that have to play like superstars for one series to beat the Nets. And I mean, so that's the only thing I, and then in the West, the Nuggets are just so good as a team, but I just don't think they have, you know, a bad night from Mitchell can shoot you out of a game. Like the dude is a shot taker. I get that, but he can also shoot four for 30 and lose you a couple games. So I, you know, I don't trust him in the Nuggets have enough, like as far as a team goes, you know, enough depth to maybe challenge them. But I just don't see it in the West. The East, the Bucks is the only team I can see possibly. I don't even think the Bucks can compete because they just, they're not a three point team. Yes. They're like so one of the like, best three point teams in the league statistically wise, because Giannis can't shoot. The, the problem is, is their best player can't shoot it. And that's a problem. But as far well, as that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying is that like, in, in, in order of, like, taking over a game or getting, you know, like, a run started or down three, need a shot. Like, you have KD, James Harden, or Kyrie that can take that shot. Right. On the Bucks, you have who? You got Middleton. Drew Holiday. Holiday. Or Giannis, yeah. I mean, Giannis is going to the basket. I'm not having him shoot a three. Right. I may have him shoot it just because he may have an open look. <laughs> I'll at least take that at that point. But, yeah, I know I know what you're saying. That's why I said the only way they can challenge the Nets is if all three of those guys play great. Like, they can't have a – you know, one of those guys can't have an off series. Like, the, all three of them at the same time playing great can maybe challenge the Nets. And I know that's asking a lot. But – Well, and it's also bullshit on this – like, these teams that only have, you know, one superstar, if they get hurt, they're out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you've got, like, what's going on with the Lakers. you got Anthony Davis out. you got LeBron out. But they're still able to, you know, kind of trek through. Yeah. And, you know, that's the that's the frustrating part is that it just – it gives you so much ammunition that, you know, you can do that workload. You can do, you know, if there is an injury that pops up or whatever. I just feel like it, it gives you so much more breathing room than, you know, every other team. But – at what cost? You know what I mean? Like, cool. You, you, you know, you guys all went to the same team and won six, you know, championships. Like, I know. I just feel like it, player on I just feel like it taints legacies at this point. Like, okay, so the Nets win the championship here. Like, I don't view that as like that great of accomplishment for Harden or Kyrie or KD. And like, yeah, it's cool. Like, it, then you got the Dude. guys like Blake Griffin who are just like they just want a ring. Like, I get that you play. It's Dwight Howard. It's Dwight Howard last year. Yeah. Like, I get that you, like, so guys like that, like, they're never going to get one now because they just don't have it anymore. So they are, they're, like, ring chasing. But guys like Harden and Durant and Kyrie who are in their prime, like, don't have to be doing this. Like, go fight each other for it. Well, my favorite is that, you know, Kyrie can win a championship with the Nets, and everybody's going to say that, you know, the one that he won with LeBron and Cleveland against the Warrior team is going to be, his best show. And it was. Yeah. And it was. You know what I mean? So, like, what good are they doing now, like you're saying, with their legacy? But I don't know, man. I think, like, 
you know, if I'm James Harden, man, it would it would be tough for me to go and, and join up even after I've, you know, lost in Houston. But man, they were so close so many years. Like they just were one person away. If they could figure it out, like one good draft pick or one good trade, one free agent. And then it's just like, no, I'm just going to go join this team. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. You were, you were, it's well, this, this all like, it didn't all start here, but my like super hatred for it obviously goes back to the heat all teaming up. Which I mean, Heat fans will tell you, well, the Celtics did it first with KG and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen getting together. But like Kevin Durant losing a three-one lead to the Warriors when he was still in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, and then the next year joining the Warriors, like that just did it for me. Like, how I, how do you do that? You had that team beat three to one, and you blow it. Instead of trying to fucking run that back and get them the next year, you just say, nah, screw it. I'll just go play with them. And it just like right. that like really tip tilted the league one direction so far that now all these now all this has had to start taking place or teams are starting to blow it up because they're like, Well, why are we even trying when we know we can't beat that team right now? So we might as well blow it up and make our trajectory five years from now. Right. And yeah, well, and that's what I think will be interesting is like, I think we have probably a good four or five years left of, you know, LeBron, Harden, KD, those guys. What does the NBA look like five years from now? I mean, that'll be interesting once, you know, we kind of have that moving on. It was like, what, what, what was the league after Jordan, you know, and then there was LeBron and then what's the league after LeBron? Like, what's that look like? Right. I mean, it's just such a different game from whenever Jordan was playing to, like, you know, when LeBron's been playing. So I'm anxious to see what the league looks like after he's done, you know. Yeah, I mean? I'm, I'm, to this point, I'm almost excited for it. I'm hoping that this next generation or younger guys, like, they don't follow in the super team footsteps. And, you know, I think with TV deals and the way money works is it definitely is helping the smaller markets keep good players because they can play them more – you know, if they drafted you, they can pay you more on your max than another team can. So that helps give them somewhat of an advantage. And guys like Giannis staying home help. You know, I just hope more guys stay where they're drafted and say, all right, look, we can build this up or get me some players. And then, you know, I just – I hope we're done with the super team era once these guys get out of the league. But – Right. Who knows? No, I agree. So, all right. That's enough for tonight, man. Final four this weekend. We're looking at Gonzaga Baylor in the championship, most likely. Opening day tomorrow. Cards open up in Cincinnati. Should get a sweep. Clarity on the hill. Like, Arenado's first game as a Cardinal. Let's go. You got anything else? Masters coming up? Yeah, Masters coming up. Tigers out. Brooks is out. I really, if there's, if there's two people I'd like to see win, I'd like to see either – Rory complete his Grand Slam and win it and get a green jacket. Or I'd like to see Jordan Spieth come from the dead and win another green jacket. He's been so close. Yep. So those are my two picks for uh, I would, for the Masters. I would be happy with both of those. And then I'll throw my, my guy Tony in as the third guy I'd love to see win it. So go get you something. He was now. right there. I man. know. He's got the game. I just want to see what shoes he's got on this year. So. God, he's tough, <laughs> so, all right. We'll uh we'll see you guys next week.